Welcome to Documentary First, an inside look at a first-time filmmaker's journey. I'm your host, Jason Rugg, and sitting in for Josh Lindsay. And with us is our first-time filmmaker, Christian Taylor. Hello, Jason Rugg, and hey, everybody. Yeah, welcome to the show. Um, this one's this one's a bit of a weird one. So we didn't get to record one last week because you were in the middle of an odyssey that we're going to get to hear about this week, hopefully. So we're kind of recording this one last minute, and Josh wasn't able to make it, so it's just you and me. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I guess where to begin? Where are you right now, Christian? <laughs> Good question. So I'm actually in Wheaton, Illinois, which is exciting to be back home. I came home uh, just a couple of days ago and I'm reacclimating. Uh, I came home to basically a destruction zone um, <laughs> because we're doing a major renovation. So just about on every floor and all around me. So my office is destroyed. And so I'm in my bedroom, which is why I have on the screen saver or this, whatever that's called in the background. Uh, and, you know, you may be hearing lots of noises of hammering and sawing and all that stuff in the background. So I apologize in advance for those, but nevertheless, it's always good to be home. Well, good. We're glad to have you back. Um, so I guess, okay. So how long were you gone? Yeah, like, I was gone. Go ahead. Gone for four weeks, gone for four a whole weeks. month. Wow. Okay. So four weeks gone. How long are you going to be back before you head back over there? <laughs> <laughs> Great question. Uh, well, I am leaving in two days to go to Woodstock, Virginia. I'm super excited to be part of Massanut and Military Academies. Uh, you know, alumni weekend event uh, that is just right in the valley of the Shenandoah Valley. And they are having the girly war freedom there. We're doing two screenings for the cadets and the teachers, and then one wow. for the alumni and the community. So I'm super excited to share the film with, um, you know, the student body and the neighboring communities. Bob and Janie Miller are the ones that are responsible for us being here. Um, Janie is probably our most ardent uh, a podcast listener. So I just want to say thank you, Janie, for this opportunity. We're really looking forward to it. Um, Bob is a graduate of this school. He's an alumni and uh, they were one of our first corporate donors, Massanutten Military Academy. And so I just, it's so wonderful to be able to give back to them um, after they've supported us from the beginning. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and something that's super exciting is I get to do the pass in review, which basically I think in my imagination, it's like reviewing the troops. So I get to do that with the cadets and I'm really looking forward to that. So I think it's going to be a fun time. And then I was headed off to Fort Bragg shortly after that for this big event that we have been planning. But today it was postponed and I was sad about that. But at the same time, I've been doing so much traveling. I am looking forward to the rest. Their concerns were we were going to have the veterans there. We were going to bring Danny in with her dress, uh, but they really aren't 100% sure of when um, the French people are going to be able to come back to the United States yet. Uh, the U.S. said right. the 1st of November, but they haven't given a specific date. And I think um, the museum is, you know, leery of bringing people back given the, you know, uh, the challenges with the Delta variant, and they don't want the veterans or Danny to get sick. And I do respect that. I think it's wise. Um, we're sad to miss out on this because of COVID, but I think it's the right thing to do. And they are thinking about doing it next March, maybe. So uh, we'll see. Um, and then we are talking about going over to Europe um, for Christmas because my son Jonah is uh, still there and and he's never been to Normandy and really wants to meet all of the people there. 
Uh, and there is an opportunity to follow up um, with a, an event in Holland. So one of the things that we discovered when we were there is that the pilot of John Lau, um, his name was Bill Moore, and he stayed with John for most of John's time there. But then once they were separated, Bill Moore was captured and executed on December 2nd. And they do a ceremony to remember him and the other resistance workers that were killed at that time every year. And since uh, John Lau's daughter, Lucy, is living in Germany and can go easily, uh, she's going to go to that event and we may go there and film it as well. So. So yeah. who knows? Yeah. I may I be. Le- <laughs> yeah, it sounds, sounds pretty important. So we'll see. I don't know if I'm going to do that or not, but I will say traveling for a month um, was a long time. And yeah. one of the things I want to touch on in this episode is really the importance of scheduling in rest for your crew. Um, I didn't do that very well in the girl who wore freedom. Um, you know, I was a first time filmmaker and I just didn't really understand. Um, and in Normandy during the commemorations, it's very hard to do that. And a lot of times in production, it is hard to schedule in that rest time. Uh, but I think it, you know, it's really important these days to be forward looking as far as health goes. And I, I worked with Sandy Gordon, um, early on, she, I sort of cut my teeth in producing with Sandy And one of the things I respected so much about her is that she was militant about um, making sure that the people, you know, were rested, particularly the guys doing the camera work, the lighting work, um, all of the people carrying heavy equipment, just remembering that they are real people and that they need to eat and they need to go to the bathroom and they need to sit down and rest. And oftentimes she would say she would have to make them do it because they wouldn't choose to take that rest time. Um, and so in terms of the four weeks that I was there and all the stuff I was doing on a continual basis, it got to the end. And I realized like my body just said, okay, enough, just slow down and stop. And that was, I just made a mental note at that time of, you know, when we go to schedule these shootings, you know, next year or um, whenever we do it, I really want to make sure that we schedule in, you know, one day a week where there's no work. And so on Sunday, it is going to be a rest day and we are going to try to keep to, you know, reasonable days, no longer than 10 hours. And we are going to stop for lunch and dinner. And, um, so anyway, I just want to, I just want to say that it's just really important that you think about your people's physical well-being, particularly when they're traveling. Right. And then that's a, that's a major thing that you can it's very easy to forget because everyone's so passionate about the project in the first place that you just get caught up in it. Like you're talking about, you have to tell people, Hey, no, stop. (laughs) So, I mean, uh, that's what we mentioned it before we started recording. We were talking about how IATSE, the entire, basically the entirety of uh, (laughs) the, you know, all the below the line workers in Hollywood are going on strike uh, because of that issue, because they're being pushed way too hard coming out of the pandemic. And so it's, it's a, it's a prevailing issue. And I'm glad to hear that you're, you're doing that right by your crew. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. You know, and, and I just, I just realized I, that was a place that I made mistakes the first time around. And so I really want to be intentional about 
about that. And you're right. When you're in an, an excitable situation, you know, everybody, particularly if they're going to do a project overseas, but really it's any project you've planned, you've done your pre-production. Everybody's so excited to have it all kicked off. You know, you've got that adrenaline going, plus, you know, you're on a time deadline. Plus, you know, the more you, the more days it takes, the more money it costs. And so you're trying to get everything in. And then if you're not managing your time well, your days run over, people start to get tired, and it'll cost you money and other problems in the end. So if people are well-rested, well-fed, you know, know what to expect in a day and can sort of plan things out, um, you'll get better work product in the end. And um, I do think it's just that you just need to have people, producers, who are going to say, we need to slow down and make sure that we pace ourselves. This is a marathon and not a sprint. And though it's fun, um, we really need to take care of ourselves health-wise. And I, I really appreciate that too, as a uh, recovering workaholic myself, <laughs> having people who intentionally put... Uh, put uh, borders on you is, is good. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Jason, you've done a good job doing that self-care. I mean, you know, making sure you're getting your exercise in and, you know, having that well-rounded health approach is, is really great for the longevity of your life. And I'm glad you're realizing that early on. I wish I had. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, that's the thing is that it's never too late. It's never too late. You can never go, well, well I'm already down this path. So I just, you know, it's like, just balance it while you can. Well, that's cool. Um, okay. So uh, we, I know we don't have a ton of time and that was, that was good. We got that, we got that out of the way. It's good. I want to hear about the whole trip because when we left off, you were about to go retracing the footsteps of your great uncle, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. And right. we haven't heard anything about that. So I would love to hear uh, just a really, I guess, summary of, <laughs> of that, that week or two. Yeah, it was so fun. So I did three weeks really focusing on the Brave Dutch. And, um, you know, that was just phenomenal. We, um, I was just reading through the notes that um, Michelle Coupe, my co-producer, made. And when I look back at everything that we did, my mind is just blown about what we were able to accomplish. And um, I'm not really directly asking, answering your question, but I promise I will get there. <laughs> um, this is something I wanted to talk about. Anyway, we... Um, you know, the focus was to just get in there and figure stuff out. And we really did that. We did a lot of research. We uncovered new parts of our story that we didn't even know. Um, we met all types of people. So we made relationships with several museums. We made relationships with several experts that we can interview. We made relationships with um, descendants of um, of resistance workers. And, you know, I now have a much clearer idea of how to tell this story, not so much the John Lau, you know, narrative story, but really uh, the other incidental pieces. Um, because I made relationships with those museums and with the Dutch Ministry um, of Defense, I now have access to archival photos and videos and notes and, you know, uh, lots of stuff like that, which is really going to help me uh, tell my story. So it was a super fruitful three weeks, um, just really jazzed about, about all of that. And now we need to take these notes and give them to our cinematographer and our line producer and um, my editor. And I need to give those to our distributor and we need to begin planning in, you know, for real um, what scenes we want to shoot and how we want to shoot them and who we want to use in, you know, 
in that process. So that was the first three weeks. And then the last week was really, um, I didn't plan it this way, but it turned out that it was really this odyssey of adventure with Flo Plana and Joey Van Mason. Uh, Thomas Boisson was in on that as well. And we went to Belgium. And we, my great grandfather was in the 84th infantry division and they were, um, a very powerful force in the liberation of Bastogne and up into Germany and Flo and, uh, Joey Van Mason had done some excellent research and they found the places that not only 84th infantry division were, but the 334th regiment or the 334th company, which my great uncle was in. So uh, they actually took me to a town called Verden, Belgium, and they explained to me how the battle unfolded there. And they took me to this crest of this ridge where there was this forest. And in the forest, there were foxholes that they knew the 334th company was in. I mean, it was so unbelievable to discover those because they were basically just untouched. And if you didn't know what you were looking for, you wouldn't know you were in, you know, this foxhole, you know, laden area. But once you knew what you were looking for, you could see the foxholes everywhere. Um, so that was super powerful. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, thank you. And I could feel and imagine uh, what it must have been like during during that time. It was cold. It was near Christmas. He likely spent Christmas in those foxholes. Um, so that was super powerful. And I saw one of the most beautiful towns in Europe I have seen yet. It was called La Roche en Ardenne, and it's this town that's built um, around this river and into these hillsides that surround the river. It's just absolutely gorgeous. And a town that was just 90% destroyed during World War II, but they've rebuilt it back and it looks very much like it, you know, it's, it's that old. Uh, they have an 84th Infantry Museum there, which was closed, unfortunately, but uh, I'm gonna go be, go be going back there because it was just this beautiful little town. And um, so uh, I was happy to have survived that day because in that woods, I took my third fall, I think, in Europe into one of the foxholes and had to be oh, wow. extracted by Floplana, which was quite <laughs> hilarious. Um, I hope somebody so, filmed that. <laughs> Joey Van Mason may have, but uh, I don't know if it is. I don't ever want to see it. Um, <laughs> So, uh, so that was pretty great. And we also went, do you remember you saw band of brothers, right? Mm -hmm. It's so, been a long time, but yeah. Okay. So band of brothers, the episodes, um, there are two episodes based in Holland episode. I think it's episode four and episode five. Um, you can Google that. I know episode five is crossroads and episode four, I think is Eindhoven. Well, I know it's in Eindhoven. I don't know what the episode is called. But episode four and five are in Holland. Episode six is Bastogne. And in that Bastogne episode, you see Easy Company dug into these foxholes and they're overlooking the town of Foy. Um, that's how we say it. The French say Foix. <laughs> so uh, Flo and Thomas took me to that area and I saw where those foxholes were that Easy Company was in. Wow. That was incredibly cool because 
I was sitting at the tree line, looking down at the town of Foy. Um, and even though Band of Brothers was not filmed there, they clearly had been there and they created their set to look exactly like that. So it really did feel very much like, um, you know, when I watched that episode, that that's where I was. Um, but it was even more powerful to imagine that Joe Toy and Bill Garnier, who both lost their legs during that battle, were right there for real, not just in the movie. And, um, you know, now what was interesting about this area of Bastogne is this is um, in the Boisjac, um forest. And the Boisjac, it looks exactly like when I look at the um, like archival footage of Battle of Bastogne. It looks exactly like that footage, but that forest has been replenished. And so like the, the Germans were shelling that forest continually and a lot of the injuries and a lot of the deaths occurred because of tree bursts where the you know bombs would hit and the trees would splinter everywhere um, and shrapnel and stuff like that. So um, you know the, the forests are not the same trees that were there, although there were some that were older than 75 year old trees. And, and I kept looking for, you know, places where GIs would have carved their names into the trees, because I've seen some of those trees in France before. There was one where Tex carved his name in one of the trees <laughs> in Normandy. So I was looking for that, but I didn't see anything. Um, and, but that was, that was a super cool experience, um, you know, to be there where that battle of the bulge took place just super powerful so if you ever get an opportunity um you know i tell you belgium is a very different experience than holland and it's a very different experience in normandy and i think that's one of the things that i learned is the germans were different in those areas the civilians are different the terrain is different um the situations, the time of year, you know, that everything happened was different. So to now I have had experience in those different locations and it gave me a much clearer understanding of, you know, sort of what the progression of the war was like. It was very cool. Wow. That, <laughs> that just, I don't know. I don't even know what to say. It just sounds absolutely in- incredible. So all right. Can you give us a quick look at where you started the week and kind of where you went and then where you ended up? Yeah, because I did leave off something that was really interesting. First of all, I was with Helen Patton all week and I I loved that just because we were able to talk about a lot about her grandfather that I didn't know. And we we were going to record a video with Helen and Joey, a, a then and now video with a particular story of her grandfather. And so we were researching some of that history and I got to read um, some of her grandfather's journals of these exact days. And so that was so cool to read the diaries of General Patton uh, and think about what he was thinking during that time. Um, so so, and we were staying with her and in the end, Flow Planet ended up getting a cold, giving it to Helen. And so none of that ever happened, uh, which was sad, but, um, but it was great to learn all of the history. Another really interesting thing that Flow Planet and I did is he took me to see Malbany, Malmady. Do you know what happened at Malmady? Not off the top of my head. 
So Malmody is in Belgium, and this was a place where the Germans had rounded up a whole bunch of American prisoners of war, and they marched them to a field, and they basically executed them all as they were running away. And so they just shot them all, and then they left them there. Um, and two weeks later, they were discovered, co- you know, covered in snow and frozen. And it's a very, very tragic tale. I think there were um, 80 GIs that were killed um, during that time. And I had heard the story. And not only that, I had seen footage in the archival footage that I was searching through um, for the Girl Who Wore Freedom. So for me, it was a very powerful um, thing to be standing right here. And there's a monument there that the Belgian people have put up that remembers this event and lists all the names of the soldiers. And to stand there thinking that they were just gunned down, you know, in cold blood like that with no chance for a future, you know, thinking that you know, here they were prisoners of war. They were going to be taken where they were probably at least going to get a meal and they were done fighting for this time. Uh, and yet they were, their lives were cut down short. Um, so that was a powerful time. And another thing that Flo and I did is together, we just sort of journeyed off um, and we were going to go in a particular um, destination to have dinner in Belgium. And we, ended up driving by this beautiful church during sunset. We stopped and looked at it and discovered that there was World War II history that had happened right there. The church had put pictures of, um, at that time, it was really a group of GIs that came in, figured they were going the wrong way, turned around and went the (laughs) other way. And there just happened to be a Belgium there taking pictures. And so that was placed on the church. But that was so interesting (laughs) because um, that was the little history that we had not known before. And Flo was able to do some then and now photos. And so that was super cool. And then we went to get dinner and we needed to buy some orange juice for Helen Patton because she was feeling under the weather. All the stores were closed and we happened to be in a parking lot with two people. And we asked them if they knew the area and if there was any, uh, you know, stores open. And they're like, no, we're not from the area. Um, but what do you need? And we were like, well, we need some orange juice. So they handed us some orange juice, which was so incredibly kind. (laughs) We said goodbye, went our own way, went to pick a restaurant for dinner and we were seated right next to that couple. So I started talking (laughs) to the couple, of course, like I always do. They're Dutch and they're from the Northern part of Holland. And it turns out the, um, the man's father and grandfather were in the resistance and were able to talk to us about that. And it turns out his uncle was in the resistance as well, moved to the United States. And so his cousin is here outside the Chicago area and is going to be able to talk to us about that resistance work. So that was a cool little uh, twist of fate. It kind of tied in my Belgian experience and my Dutch experience all in one night. <laughs> That's absolutely incredible. So wow. it was super fun trip, one full, full of memories. I want to give a shout out to Helen Patton for her generosity and graciousness and hosting us and uh, Flo Plana and Joey Van Mason and Thomas Foisson for, you know, sort of being our tour guides and leading us around and teaching us all that history. Um, and also, I don't know if you've, well, people may not have ever heard of this, but, um, La Messe is an amazing museum right in downtown Bastogne. And 
it is a building where the Dutch army used to have their mess hall. And so that's why it's called La Mess. But now it's the Battle of the Bulge Museum. And there's um, it's Helen Patton's um, fiance that owns this museum, Hans von Kessel. And so uh, it really is a great museum. If you get a chance to be in Belgium and Bastogne, definitely go check that out. So, so yeah, that's, that's kind of it for today. Wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> that feel it was a lot to take in. Um, do you have any last uh, closing thoughts? Yeah, I just I'm incredibly grateful. I'm wrapping up this week. Incredibly grateful for everything we learned, all the people that helped us along the way. I'm looking forward to putting together, um, you know, real putting pen to paper and saying, okay, these are the scenes that we are going to reenact in film. These are the experts that we're going to interview. This is the stuff we're going to talk about. I'm just really itching to get to that, um, you know, part of this project. And yeah, and hopefully, um, you know, I'm going to be out of my regular office since we're creating a whole new office for me, probably for another eight weeks. Um, but I finally set up something in my little bedroom and now hopefully I'll be able to podcast regularly from here. So, yay. Well, awesome. So uh, I guess that's two Europe trips worth of time <laughs> and then you'll have an office. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, well all right. yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening and following along. Thank you so much for being Patreon supporters. We really have appreciated that. That's meant a tremendous amount. Um, we do have, uh, we got accepted to the Alexandria Film Festival here recently. So that was exciting. Um, there'll be more details about that. Uh, we had another festival that just reached out to us and asked if they could showcase our film during the Veterans Day week. So that was neat. Um, so there's a lot of girly war freedom stuff still happening. We are still submitting grueling glory to different film festivals. So that's still ongoing. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of stuff happening here at the girly war freedom. So keep supporting us, keep listening, telling your friends about the film. And, um, you know, that's about all I have to say for today. Well, all right. Uh, and you mentioned Patreon. If you want to go to Patreon, you can go to patreon.com forward slash docfirstpodcast and support us there. We're up to 14 patrons, which is pretty Yay. awesome. Thank you to each and every one of you. You keep uh, the show going. So thank you very much. And uh, thank you, Christian, for telling us uh, about <laughs> what, what, what I, I think it's an odyssey. It really was just an odyssey yeah. that you went on there. <laughs> for sure. No and, question. Uh, Thank you all for listening to Documentary First, where we believe everyone has a story to tell and you can be the one to tell it. Yes, you can. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Documentary First. We really appreciate your partnership with us. We can't do any of this without you. So thank you so much for listening, for donating, and for following along on our journey. If you are able to make a donation this week, we would really appreciate it. We are supported by donors who give us $100 or less, so anything helps. Also, if you're able to share the news about The Girl Who Wore Freedom with your friends and family, please do that on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or email. And sign up for our newsletter at thegirlwhowarefreedom.com. Please go to thegirlwhowarefreedom.com slash donate to make a donation today.